This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle. This episode of Content is Your Business is powered by Sennheiser, the future of audio. The following live audience program is sponsored by Notel. Your agile business deserves an agile space. Notel will find, customize, and operate your ideal office while you focus on your business. Find out more at notel.com. That's K-N-O-T-E-L.com. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Beauty is Your Business and Content is Your Business. We're here with a fun and lively audience at Experience Notel. And um, just to let you know, the show is actually going to go live both on Beauty is Your Business and Cross Marketed on Content is Your Business. From Beauty is Your Business, we're here with Abby Wallach, entrepreneur and executive producer of Beautiful Stranger. Myself, Karen Muncio, Trendalytics. And from Content is Your Business, we have Amber Mundinger, SVP of Live Media and Strategic Partnerships of Rolling Stone Magazine. And we're also very lucky to have our special guests with us tonight. Um, they're hosts of the Fat Mascara podcast, but also Jessica Matlin is the beauty director at Harper's Bazaar, and Jennifer Goldstein is the beauty director and features editor of Marie Claire. So this is a fun and interesting group because everyone is really experts, not only in the space of beauty, but also content. And it's been a really interesting week. So excited to delve into the impact of content on the beauty industry. You're listening to Content Is Your Business, conversations with industry leaders and influencers covering the strategy and innovation of brand storytelling. Produced by Mouth Media Network and recorded on location. So um, can you tell us a little bit more about yourselves and your podcast? Sure. I guess I'll go first. I'm Jen. It's hard with five people. I know. I'm the one with the deep voice. <laughs> um, so yes, I'm the... It's rich. It's a rich, it's rich voice. You hear it's this luxurious. tone? You too can have a podcast. Um, so I'm the beauty director at Mary Claire, and I've worked at a couple other magazines. I started my career at Sephora when the website launched, so I have digital experience as well. And Jess and I started our podcast, what is it, two and a half years ago? Two and ago? a half years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Tell them who you are. So um, I am the beauty director at Harper's Bazaar. I'm the co-host of Fat Mascara. Uh, I've worked at a ton, um, too many <laughs> magazines. I also have some brand side experience. Um, worked at uh, Space NK, Bobby Brown. I've always just been obsessed with beauty. So I'm kind of, I think I'm, I'm getting old enough to say I'm a beauty industry veteran. You are. And you've been on QVC as a beauty and, model. And uh, yes, I've also, I've, I've modeled <laughs> Bobby Brown Party Lash Mascara, and I've also sold Lucky Magazine subscriptions on HSN. So I've hit both major right. networks. Thank you for the prompt, Jen. You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> and so, um, so tell us a little, I mean, so I think what's interesting about the topic this week is there's been a lot of chatter. I mean, obviously, the publishing industry is totally changing. New meat, like influencer marketing, is really important. Budgets are shifting. And also, this week, we had some really interesting news where there's been a lot of talk about the scandals behind the industry. How is media changing? And what are your thoughts on how content is changing in the beauty industry and how incumbent publishers are adapting? Incumbent publishers, meaning traditional old media? Yes. 
Okay, well, coming from a print background, just in the 20 years that I've been doing this, I've seen the way that we make content change in that we have to take one story and feed it into, you know, eight different channels. I can't speak to influencers getting paid to put negative remarks on things, but I can only speak to my experience. But... Um, we haven't the print the print has stayed similar in that we want to tell a richer deeper story but if we take the same story we'll also have to do the instagram version of it and the digital version of it um and that's just for my print job the podcast obviously is different um but really it's just picked up this year i think a lot that we're working more with branded content as well and native advertising but i'm sure we can get into that in a bit I think it's, you know, people aren't really sure, like, what the value system is right now. Like, they know that people's eyeballs are on their phones, not necessarily just on magazines, where it used to just be on magazines. And But at the same time, you know, when I talk to PRs and I talk to, you know, brand executives, there is something that's still so valuable about that print piece and that print ad that they haven't let go of yet. Um, and, and that's fortunate for me. And it's something I still believe in, but at the same time, there's still, it's like, they're still like, Oh, but you know, it's, it's all about digital, but they're not actually putting that value on it. They're not really sure what's worth the money. It's a little bit chicken and egg and nothing's really settled yet in terms of, you know, ROI. It, yeah, yeah, exactly. It, exactly. God, we should have a podcast together. <laughs> like, I mean, there's so much we want to Start talk about today. here, but like, you know, they're, they're, you know, we always hear about, okay, we pay this influencer this much money to, you know, go on this trip to Turks and Caicos or the Bahamas or wherever it is. And did they actually move the needle? We're not really sure. Same thing with like a digital story. It's, we're not really sure how much these things are worth, but I think there is, I feel like I'm just kind of trying to, you know, campaign for print here, but there is something <laughs> still really lush about a print ad. So how did you come up with your podcast? Where was, what was the inspiration for Fat Mascara and really taking your expertise and your voice into a different medium? Because that's what you're doing. Um, I was really in love with podcasts for probably like, say about four years ago, I stumbled upon them. And I liked listening to podcasts that were about like comedy or music. And I was thinking, okay, well, there must be one for beauty. I would love to hear one that was talking about you know, talking to like my favorite beauty expert, like Terry, Terry de Gunsberg or like a John Dempsey or someone like that. And there wasn't one. And I was really excited about it. And I was like, Oh, I have to do this. And, um, you know, it would be much better with the partnership. And I really had just met Jen, like maybe like four months before that on a press trip, we went to Ghana. We picked uh, Shay nuts in Ghana <laughs> together. As one does when one is a beauty director of a print magazine. <laughs> where they have the budget. Yeah. And we had such a good time, and I thought she was so smart. And I loved that I could see that she... It's not like we sat around being like, oh, my God, what did you think of this you know, new launch? We talked about it for 45 minutes. But I liked the way she talked about beauty and that she was such a smart beauty editor, but also really cool and you know funny. And... You also said that a lot of the best things that we talk about about beauty don't get to make it into the print page because yeah. it's a finite space. Yes, that's the, that's the other thing. Um, and this gives us like But the, that's not about you. So, no. okay. uh, <laughs> I'm deflecting. Yeah, so, 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 yeah, okay. so, so there, there, yeah, there's so many things that we go on. Um, we have desk side appointments where someone comes to your office and for people don't know and they you know, will say this product's amazing, blah, blah, blah. But then you'll go off into a different part of the conversation. That part of the conversation or about the product or their history as a makeup artist or whatever will never, ever, ever make it into the printed page. And even if you're a digital editor, that might never make it into 
onto the website. So we had these great conversations. I really wanted to do this, and I wanted someone like Jen to be on the podcast, but I didn't think that Jen could do it because I didn't even know if I could do it. We both had full-time, very corporate jobs. And when Jen was game for it, and it was like a little bit of a like, eh, like what about you? Like It was like the most, just the most like lightning struck, so happy. And from then on, you know, we've been doing this for over two and a half years, and it's been honestly like the most, one of the most amazing things. That's been great. I would say we also, at this point, we're getting pitched equally by brands and PR people for our podcast as we are for our print magazine. They understand the value of that deeper storytelling that, yes, we tell stories in print, but like you're not going to find out that Erin Lauder says Rosé is the secret to, uh, you know, her marriage. (laughs) And that she's a secret McDonald's addict. Yeah. She likes McDonald's. Yes, Erin Lauder found her way to a McDonald's. Yes. So it's that kind of fun stuff yeah. that would be like a footnote in a print story that you can delve yeah. upon into, in a podcast. Yeah. And it's just been, it's been really, um, it's, it's, a, it's a new way to tell a story that print and digital hasn't. Yeah. More personal. So from an editorial standpoint, how are you thinking about storytelling across all these channels? And so you mentioned your podcast versus print, but in your Day jobs, they also can do it through so many different formats. I mean, Instagram alone has stories, IGTV, you know, and itself. Like, how are you guys thinking about that in the way that you can tell a brand story or a story around anything really innovative and beauty that you want to talk about in these different formats? And together they tell a richer. I could. I think it'd be helpful to give like an example. Like, say there's an Estee Lauder Foundation coming out and this happens and they send you a mailing with a big fancy box. So their goal is, like, you want to put it everywhere. They want a story about it. They want everything. So we'll take the box. Jess and I will, like, open it up and do Instagram, you know, an Instagram story with it and do a couple slides. At the same time, I'm also looking at the ingredients on the formula and thinking, hmm, should I delve into this? Is there a story about hyaluronic acid in foundations? Let's shelve that for maybe a print story where we could talk deeper, interview a couple dermatologists. What's the digital angle on it? Oh, there's a new model some Hadid, or who is it now? The little, <laughs> I can't keep track. Grace yeah. Elizabeth? Oh, yeah, yeah, Is she yeah, the new face her. of that? Yeah, yeah, so her. maybe that's the angle for the digital. We'll get clicks if we do it behind the scenes with her. So you have to take every piece of content that you have and, and just parcel it out to what works best for what medium. And then maybe like a still photo for Instagram if it's some big goofy looking mailing, we'll like take a picture with it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't always go for yeah. that. But so it's basically like tripled your workload in some respects. You know, yeah. it's a lot of work to be like a yeah. multimedia company. <laughs> but yeah. I think everybody yeah. has to be that yes. way now. Yeah. You have to think about telling your story in all these channels at once. And if you miss one, you miss out on an opportunity. Absolutely. And do you find that when you're doing all of those stories, you're spending more time like on, because you're doing so many stories across so many channels, like are you spending more time on digital versus print or has that balance changed? Well, at, at least for like Harper's Bazaar, there is a digital team. So I'm not responsible for doing, you know, the beauty for Harper's Bazaar. I work on print, but you know, we work together on things like we're doing big, a big initiative for um, the spring. So we're collaborating on what, how it's going to look across all those channels. Got it. But I don't have to do everything. That all would of be, it. Like I wouldn't sleep. I think that's a fairly new thing that happened too, because maybe two years ago we did kind of have to do it all. Well, that's what I was going to say. Like, I feel like at one point, like everybody had to do everything. Yes. And now we have a social team, at least at Mary Claire, speaking not about the podcast, we have a social team that's doing Instagram, Snapchat, if anyone does Snapchat and those kind of things. (laughs) And then we have a beauty editor on digital who's doing like the short written stories one a day. And then we have, Mm -hmm. you know, me as the print editor. But again, you have to be able to work across all of those mediums. 
And audio, too. <laughs> and have an amazing voice. <laughs> so what's next? <laughs> so as you think about print, I mean, one of the things in fashion that's interesting is there's always lead times you have to like kind of plan, kind of plan ahead, but everyone's so instant in terms of um, content. So how do you think about planning ahead, and has, that, has the process changed at all? Or as you kind of plan your content strategy, because there's so many different ways that people tease content in digital, like mm-hmm. has that changed how you think about your strategy and storytelling for print? I think, you know, if, some, if something happens, like an idea comes or we meet with somebody that's great, like we will crash something in, but it's still, you know, we still have pretty chunky lead times, but yeah. I, bizarre, we're not afraid to, you know, shuffle the deck if we need to, you know, make something work in a tighter schedule. Yeah, we're working about four months out for a print story, and I think maybe a couple years ago it would be more product-focused because you'd know a woman might hear about a product first in the print pages of our magazine. At this point, she's probably already going to have seen it on her Instagram, scrolling through, or on a digital story. So just talking about a product, here's a new thing, you should buy it, isn't going to cut it. So you have to tell a deeper story. So that's part of how it's changed. I think it's pushed us to make more interesting, like, articles. I feel weird saying content. I feel like it just turns it into like, you know, an Instagram post when it's an article. It's still journalism. At least I hope it is what I'm doing. So do you you think that when an audience or your viewer or consumer is reading the magazine and they've seen something in the market already on Instagram or on Snapchat, YouTube, wherever, and then they see it in the magazine, do you think it's more... um, that it really gives it more of a stamp of approval because now the editors have written a story about it and it's a deeper, Mm -hmm. more thoughtful story. Do you think it's um, having a better effect on the reader at home, so to speak? I'd like to think we have a stamp of approval, but I really think it's just the fact of seeing it multiple times, which is what advertising is. The more you see it, the more it's top of Mm -hmm. mind, right? I remember when I worked at Cosmo Girl when teen magazines existed, um, we did a survey with our readership and we found that they couldn't differentiate between an ad and an editorial page. True, these were women under the age of 18, so they might not you know, be out in the world yet, but it's a conversation that we keep having when people are going through their Instagram feed and they can't decide what's been paid for and what hasn't. Mm-hmm. And that conversation existed at least for a younger consumer 10 years ago. So, um, so I don't know that it, just because it's in print that gives it, you know, it's been editorialized. It does give it the cachet of the brand name that goes along with it. It's Harper's Bazaar. It's not like, I don't know. I'm trying to think of a cheesy beauty website, but I don't want to call anyone out. Yeah. (laughs) But to your point, do you think, like, even now, like, knowing that this has been happening for, like, 10 years ago, that the consumer, and I hope this is the case, but that when they're reading something, they know the difference between, like, what's editorial and what's branded content, even when it's called out? In a print magazine? Yeah. So we have, like, there's new rules now. So, for example, when we're doing, um, it doesn't always have to say, like, branded content, native advertising. Sometimes it says presented by. Right. We usually box it out. Um, And ASME, you know, the American Society magazine editors, has had to update its rules constantly to make sure that people... You remember how it used to say advertorial at the top? Like, have you heard the word... Is that gone? Advertorial? I've not heard that word in a long time. I rarely see that. Native, presented by. Presented by. I think you still say it internally, you know. Yeah. But, for example, at Mary Claire, we will sell... It's not a sell. It's more like an added value. If there's a shoe on our masthead, sometimes that shoe, it'll say presented by Mew Mew, and that's you know, branded content. 
but it looks very editorial. But that's how I think consumers and readers are used to looking at things now. I think like um, a a publication that does um, native really well is the times. Like sometimes they'll do like in the living well section or something. It's in the middle. Like if you are on their homepage and you scroll through, there's like a band and I will actually, and I think I'd like to think I'm a pretty sophisticated reader in terms of like what's native and what's not, but I will look at it and I'll know what's native, but I'll still read the article and it's pretty good. I think there's like a way you can do native in a way that like you're actually learning information. It might be something about nutrition. It might be like sponsored by, I don't know. That's still authentic. Like diet. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It might be like new vegan research about blah, blah. It's still real research. Yeah. Right. But so it's, it's smart, like. It's smart content that they're using. Exactly. And then it'll say big thing about diet at the end, you know, but it's, I, I'm not personally offended by native content. It just has to be good. And I think that's the direction that a lot of magazines are, you know, that are doing well are doing, or you have to in order to survive. Well, it's like consumers are smarter and so you can't fool them. So why not be authentic in the stories you tell? And so, still do like high quality content. Totally. Yeah, like, totally. We need to live. Like, it's just, you know, it's, it's a, it's a way to serve for businesses to, businesses to survive. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think there's so much richness in this topic that I'd love to delve into this a little bit deeper um, in our next segment. Okay. Welcome to Hashtag Moms Got This. Get your mom life fix four days a week. I'm Michelle Park. And I'm Stacey Eagle. Together, we chatted up with a new boss mom each week about her journey and why she's got this. Make sure to subscribe and show us some love on iTunes, Google Play, and wherever the best podcasts are found. And remember, Mom's Got This. So as we talk about new media, we can't ignore influencer marketing. But as I think about the conversation we were just having, I think um, traditional media has such very strict rules around advertisements, around native ads, and there's so many rules that constantly keep changing, but it's a little bit blurry for our influencers, although they're starting to incorporate new rules. Um, what are your thoughts in terms of how this is changing and the consumers and readers and how they can trust editorial and even know the difference? Like, how do you see this shaping in the future? Well, I hope that there's a trade organization that gives a little bit more education to consumers yeah. about what it is that it means to be journalism. For example, I was talking to an influencer on a press trip I was on about fact-checking. Oh, no. <laughs> That's a, like, <laughs> You know, they feel that they can say whatever they say. I'm the expert, which is true. You're an influencer. You're the, everybody wants to hear from your voice, but that doesn't mean you can go around and tell people if they put a crystal in their vagina, they're not going to have, like, you know, a sickness forever. There's a higher standard you guys have to abide by. Exactly. So, and I feel like there was an article right. actually speaking to Goop yeah. um, recently in the New York Times, and it was great press for Goop, but she really got into talking about, like, you can't do, th- you cannot promote things that aren't science, the government eventually will, you know... Oh, the writer. Crack yeah. The writer. Yeah, the writer. Yeah. 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 And the FTC, when, you, you know, when you're, you're talking about advertising with these influencers, they've just started to, with the larger influencers, really crack down on, like, you need to put hashtag ad or hashtag spawn. Um, and I think there needs to be some more education, actually. 
I think I see that a lot, like with beauty um, and like the wellness. And I get this goes back to what you're saying with Goop, but like with the wellness industry, like wellness, like yeah. she's putting air quotes. Yeah. <laughs> um, it is a little frightening because, um, and I, I, I mean, I don't follow medical influencers. God, like, are there medical influencers? But like, what kind of information is out there? I do, you know, I hear I have friends that are like, oh, well, I really need like this is what you should be eating, and they, they'll talk to me. And they'll speak to me very authoritatively and I'm like, my eyes are bugging and I don't like talk back to them because I'm just like, I can't even, they're so convinced of like this misinformation and on a very minor level, like skincare, there's just no authority. And that's why it's so important. I think for, you know, brands like Mary Claire, Harper's Bazaar, it sounds like I'm blowing smoke, you know, up our magazines, but like there needs to be an authority like on Instagram, like these brands need to kind of survive for a reason because there's just, it's the wild west out there. I think it's so timely to have this conversation now in media in general with fake news and how that's kind of, you know, exploded with, you know, recent political events, Mm -hmm. but also really timely in the beauty industry with that Vox Media and um, with Makeup Geek, how, you know, she came open and said how she was almost being like, you know, blackmailed. So makeup, where, can you just like explain this? Yeah. Really so for quickly? our listeners, so what has happened in, and there's, there's been a lot of controversy in the beauty industry where, um, there's kind of been a scandal where they, they kind of shared how, you know, obviously influencers are paid cause they have to make a living too. And they are also publishers and media companies in their own right. But you know, obviously they get paid to do, um, sponsored ads and so on and so forth, but how, some brands are actually paying them to speak negatively about other brands and how one influencer, but also, you know, she also has her own cosmetics brand where there were, were, you know, she was an influencer, went up to her and said, if you pay me, I won't speak negatively about you. And so this caused a lot of controversy. This just came out on Monday, but this is crazy. (laughs) This would never happen. Well, we have journalistic ethics, so (laughs) yeah, no, it wouldn't happen. But it also goes back to your point about having further regulation and almost like the entities like, you know, Mary Claire and Harper's Bazaar and everybody like from a journalistic standpoint, like being that authority to call these people out and kind of being the trusted source that people can go to. These people are just like not professionals. And that's the thing. Exactly. Exactly. I would say like big bad actors, but there's like, seems like there's a lot of them. Agreed. But I worry just because there is a mistrust of media and journalism in general, maybe brought on by the current political environment, that some people are growing up and not realizing that journalists, when they go to journalism school, are like a doctor going to medical school, and you are following a code of ethics that is why you are doing your career. Um, True. And I'm not sure that... Yeah, all of these things. And, you know, we have lawyers on staff to vet everything as well. And I think a lot of influencers, as you said, they're media companies in their own right. And when they get big enough, I think that's when they get their wrists slapped and learn. But a lot of them are just shying under the radar of, like, being called out for doing things that are unethical, Mm -hmm. like that example that you gave. And obviously that's not so widespread, but some of these bad actors make it bad for everyone else. Yeah, we just did a panel and found found out this one small company, and she was talking about um, she got called out on social media and all these negative comments were flooding in because it was basically like a doxing campaign. Like another beauty influencer's followers were told to go over to their page and sort of, like, give negative comments. And 
that adds up. Like you see that, even if you know in the back of your mind that maybe someone was paid to do that, it's still, you well, know, it's still impressing upon you. Yeah. You know, damaging also you yeah. could destroy her business. She wasn't like, this wasn't somebody owned by one of the big guys. It was a small business and, person. It was very sad. Hmm. Do you think a lot of the brands are really fostering this type of behavior? Um, I think like it almost, you know, there was an influencer and I, I don't have all the facts completely right. So I'm just gonna say there was an influencer who I know, it was almost like about like two like teenagers. I don't know this person personally, but like two teenagers like talking about each other's brands and almost like like a fight, like starting a fight. Like oh yeah, like their their highlighter sucks. Like so childish, and they were ganging up on each other on Instagram. Like it was like or like the Jeffrey Star and Kat Von D had a few. So silly, like so silly that like it's so embarrassing that this is even happening in like the industry I work in. It's like mm. so gross. But but what were the, the numbers? <laughs> exactly. What were the numbers? <laughs> like, no press is bad press? Is that what you're saying? Well, I don't agree with that at all, but people do things to be seen and heard. And they to got create. attention. That's it's right. It's so silly, though. It, I, I don't know. I just I feel like it's like something like for like teenagers, like little kids do this. They, and yes. It'd be like if we put a cover out and forgot to like retouch or add an extra arm it's, on purpose so that everybody was talking about Mary Claire's crappy cover. You know, and like that'd be crazy. It's, I don't know. Yes, I, undignified, it's, 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 it's undignified. Well, it is, and it's not professional. So, no. so who's going to be the ones to really step up and create some sort of opportunity and and educate these younger um, or or just people who are taking you know opportunity to to just um, create content in a way that doesn't represent authentic journalistic standards. Is there a governing body for influencers? Well, that's what I was about to say. I feel like there needs to be a new association formed. Okay, girls, let's go. Let's do it. Because I don't think there is. Is there anyone in the crowd who wants to step up? Well, yeah. where does it end? Because the scary. interesting thing is, like, you know, it's funny. I kind of wanted to bring this topic because this is my favorite thing around content. And, like, oh, it's so meta, but it's actually really happening. Which which is almost like, you know, how they get modeling. Like, right now, there's, like, this whole, you know, like, the former models who are now, like, in their, you know, 30s or late 20s. They're like, this happened to me. This is so horrible. And now they're trying to reform the modeling industry. I would love to see, like, a former influencer Ooh. be, like, this was so dreadful. These are the lessons I learned. This was bad. And, like, Where's you know, Michelle Fan? Bring her back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Remember? old school influencer yes, yeah totally. like the grand like, like of years ago <laughs> you know it's also so, interesting i wonder where some of the influencers where they're headed you know they're they're also acquiring some skills you know where could they go work at a magazine at some point and put their knowledge and their editorial to good use and i don't really, think they see that there's a need to do that they don't know not they we've as a society created an entire new media uh Platform. platform and that's a good thing i see right. nothing wrong with that but what we need to do is treat it like the other media flat platforms ftc right. you know regulation yeah regulate it yeah but also these influencers are you know and they're creating amazing things but they're creating you know to your point media companies in their own right they are media companies but they're creating their own product lines and again like that goes yeah. back to the ftc and well, all the of policing these. might come though if they start getting advertisers of their own so say they make their own you know, products that are branded and then they want to put an advertiser on their site, I think those are the people that are going to be checking to make sure they regulate. For example, I think Unilever was recently talking about fake news and how they didn't want to be doing the Facebook ads mm -hmm. until it was vetted better and the algorithm was clearer that they were cutting out things that weren't truthful mm -hmm. and they were pulling back their ad dollars and money speaks. So when a big company like that does that, right. I feel like that's when we all sort of rise True. to the occasion and be like, hmm, 
Maybe well, we should also, get some fact checkers. Right. Yeah. Well, it's incredibly important because I've also seen this with some of our clients. So I actually saw counterfeit things being, for luxury brands, being advertised on Facebook. So there's all these areas because wow. these platforms are made for anyone and you can almost push, you know, anything through or even like hashtags being like abused. Like Chanel has over 58 million post ever on Instagram. But if you look at all of them, because they have such reach, like the quality of like some content where everyone's posting it just because it's like porn, counterfeit, whatever. And so like people abuse some of these hashtags and things like that. And so it's just like super interesting. But I do think I'm actually an advocate of influencers. I think they're amazing. I think that um, the blogs are their new resume. So people who can create their own voice kind of do it all. It's like really interesting. It's like those are the people you want to hire. It's kind of incredible, but what's interesting is like, where is there the divide? Like, what at what stage is, are you a micro influencer to you know? We're nano media? influencers. I'm a nano <laughs> influencer. And then also, no, you kidding. guys are personal influencers. No, it's I'm true. sure you have your own social media following. Um, all the editors of magazines. I just built one for my cat. Own, so. Very like, oh, of course. How many Jeanette followers? Janetta has like, an account now? Yeah, it's like where she's up to 175 right now. <laughs> at at Janetta Lionheart, J A N E T T A Lionheart. You can just follow mine. Heart. Oh, we will come to our office because we welcome pets. <laughs> yeah, but it's super interesting, right? And so, yeah. like, you have like the Blonde Salad yeah. or Chriselle Lim, where she has a whole media company, and some of them are Manor Polar, they have their own personal social mm-hmm. and now their own media company social. So, where do you draw? the line and could an individual person who doesn't have a following all of a sudden go viral on UCAM or any one of these new platforms or you know just they have double rainbows on Instagram or something <laughs> or like talk about yeah. a couple getting love in you know the airplane there's like just random things that go viral now right so. yeah I don't think that people think of it as that finite of a line I think that it's blended all the way from yeah, the beginning the only yeah. problem I had with this was I used to work at Prevention Magazine before I worked at Mary Claire I'm not sure if you're familiar but it's like vitamins and you know, uh, mature ladies. I loved working there, lots of science. But my personal brand, and I hate saying that, wasn't very prevention. So I actually had like pushback from the people at prevention because my Instagram account was like me being you me. You really had pushback? Well, it was sort of like mm. I had to like keep my private self more private because I was representing yeah. a brand that stood for vegetarianism, organic whole living. Like they did not like my tattoos and motorcycle boots, you know? At Mary Claire, it's been easier because the brand that I work for is also closer to my brand and fat mascara is us. So that's where I feel like there is sometimes a little bit of a a gray line of like, who is you? Like Bobby Brown used to tell us, there's just Bobby Brown, which was her personal account. And then Bobby Brown, which was her corporate account. This was before she left the company. And her corporate account was kind of like, Bobby, like, you know, like what's, like they kind of, they filtered her a little bit. Like this is Bobby But if you wanted the real sass. But, but I am Bobby. Right, right. But they would right. tell her what was Bobby Brown. Yeah. So Not do, all the time. Is that they were confusing, like, though? Do you think that's confusing to people out there well, that are following, or does it not even matter? Yeah, I do think, people you not know, even like, as care? I said, brand codes and things like that. Like, this is the lighting we use. But I think... Yeah, I mean, even, like, when we talk about fat mascara, we're kind of like... We, we still kind of try to figure out, like, okay, what's... Is this funny? But you, you know, just yeah. you just wrote a story that's coming out for Mary Claire for yeah. me when she was freelancing. Oh, this is a perfect example about I was going to say Way and Jen Atkin. Yeah, like, uh, go. Ahead. We're going to say oh, oh the way that I was like writing for your voice. Oh, that oh, too. Oh, yeah. But what I, I was going to say my is voice for Mary Claire. A lot of these brands are built on personality. Oh yes, now. yes, yes. yes. Okay. So for example, Way Hair Care. Oh. 
it's popular because people follow Jen Atkin. And I think if she doesn't become Jen Atkin, you're going to lose sales on way hair care. You have to have both. Agreed. People are hooking into the personality. They uh, want like the personality. They don't want Kat the Kat Von D beauty thing. owned by Kendo. Fine. But you still want to have Kat Von D with her crazy wedding with like big red horns. You, like Glossier, same thing. Like Emily Weiss is their like, you know, walking advertisement. So I think people are expecting it. I don't think right, they right. think it's weird at all. Well, I think if Bobby came out now, it'd be a different story. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's super interesting because like, you know, as a company, we actually analyze a lot of different social media and then the engagement on the authentic people where they can be themselves like that's what they fell in love with in the first place mm-hmm. and it does have much higher engagement you can just like feel the tone and the vibe and it's just so different so on that note as our guests we are very interested to delve into the more personal sides of you and understand a little bit more about what drives you so in our next session we are going to hit the pan and get to know a little bit more about that Hey everybody, this is Vikram Iyer with the American Enough Podcast. And just wanted to thank all of you for listening and tuning in week after week. Uh, We are just on the precipice of clearing our one-year anniversary. And this has been an incredible journey and examination of who America really is against the, the headwinds of our modern times. If you are interested in the perspectives of mayors and how the identity of their cities is changing America's fabric or how our foreign policy is changing the way that CIA agents do their business, or even how those brave enough to come forward and and stake a claim in the Time's Up or the Me Too movement, how their identities have have been changed by speaking out so publicly, Uh, or even if you're just interested in how Netflix documentarians are viewing the world and using satire and entertainment to cope with our current times, there is something for everybody across this channel, and uh, we hope that you continue to subscribe and like wherever you pod. American Enough can be found on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Google Play. Um, and if you have any feedback or would like to or have any ideas for more great show, um, you know, never hesitate to, to email Vikram at AmericanEnoughPodcast.com or tweet at us at Vikram Iyer on Twitter. And uh, please keep spreading the word. This is not over anytime soon. For newer listeners, this is my favorite part of the show where we're hitting the pan. So as we get to the bottom of our favorite beauty products, we get to the bottom of your personal stories. So to kick it off, I'm going to spin the salon chair to see who gets to ask the question first. There's so many beauty analogies. There's a salon chair. (laughs) Very meta. (laughs) Abby. Okay. So, Jess, I want to know, what is your dream vacation? Dream vacation. Yeah. And what would you take on it? What would be in your beauty bag? Oh. Make um, it good. <laughs> I, I would love to stay. Um, I'd love. Okay. Sorry. I'm, I'm, I need to be closer to the mic. My partner just shoved me closer and bought me a little time. I have to think. It's okay. Um, gosh. Ten this seconds. Is, okay. 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 Ten. Nine. I could oh, answer eight. for you at this Wait, point. Okay, sorry. Okay, so I'm cold. Yeah, I want, okay. I really like. I went to Scotland last year. I really loved it, and our we our trip got cut short. Um, and I really want to go back, but I would love to stay in like proper like Scottish castle, and I would bring like an amazing sweater, 
and like some kind of fabulous face oil because I wouldn't wear a lot of makeup during the trip. Oh, you wouldn't. I would just be so cocooned oils. Yeah, cocooned oils lovely. on my sweater. And what? On brand. And what scent would that be? Um, probably like something like with a woodsy tone, like feeling just very crisp and woodsy. Okay. Yeah. Did you just won a trip. <laughs> Sorry. This kidding. is my new favorite podcast. Scotland. <laughs> and up north. Up north. I'd be up okay. north. Okay. Yes. We're coming. Highland. How are we getting there? Let's go. Um, first class, please. I don't want to be stuck in the back. <laughs> now you're just off a broken plane like last time. God, horrors. Yeah. We'll put in for that with Math okay. Media Networks. <laughs> so, Jen, tell me your must-have outfit for fall because you're so into your tats and like you're such a great vibe and just your hair and your nails, like everything about you is just cool. Cool. My must-have outfit. Your must-have. Just talked about this on the yeah, way down. Really I want the new Acne Studios black boots, like a good high heel platform motorcycle boot. Okay. Some nice black denim jeans, a black leather jacket, a big slouchy hat. Is it black? Okay. It's probably black. Okay. So it's all black. <laughs> I need, oh, but the pop of color is the lip always. Okay. Red uh, lip. What? Who's make? Who's brand? I like to do. This is a good tip. This this stays on through like everything. Beauty pie. Lip mm. liner, and then mm. I top it with the Chanel. Love Marcia. She's yeah, so great. Marcia's the best. She's the best. That one makes good products, so I do that, and then I top it with the Chanel. What's my the ink? I forget. Yeah, what it's, it's, like, it's like those like, it's like, it's a, like a liquid. liquid. Stay it's a liquid. On. Nice. Yeah. yeah. So there you go. Okay. And how are you going to wear your hair? Just give me a um, wild and crazy and frizzy, <laughs> like a motorcycle. Trip. Like I just like got off the motorcycle. <laughs> okay. Great. <laughs> Love it. Well, Jess is in her castle with her cat, <laughs> with with I no makeup that. on. That's perfect. I love it. Should be maybe a reality show. It's coming. <laughs> By the way, my friend has like a puppy agency, so maybe she can like maybe oh. she'll move into cats. Okay. Maybe she'll do a kitty extension. Yeah. You'll have to come over. Pets on your business. <laughs> Spin-off podcast. I'll put my puppy on. Oh, New French bulldog. I still oh, need an so Instagram sweet. though, so yeah, yeah, we'll yeah. have to talk. I know. I know. It's changed everything. Exactly. So, so we're going to spin this launcher again. And it lands on Amber. <laughs> Yay. So I have, well, same question actually for both of you guys. Oh, I guys. thought that we were asking Amber a question. Oh. oh could could oh. we just do that? Is that allowed? I think we can do yeah, whatever we want. I think we can do okay. what you want. <laughs> All right. Oh, okay. Um, what would, what's your favorite beauty product? Hmm. I actually, so I spent a lot of time last year, um, or the past couple of years traveling in Asia and last year I was in Seoul three times wow. and I just really kind of dove into Korean beauty, but I love beliefs like aqua bomb oh, I've, yeah, and I'm that. pretty obsessed, especially like traveling so much. I go through jars of it. Like within weeks, I'm constantly putting it on. So I'd say that's that's probably my People favorite. People are addicted to that belief. Yeah, it's it's a healthy obsession. I okay. think I'm okay with it. Thank you. <laughs> you want to ask that? Sure. Um, so kind of going a little bit off of what Abby was asking, but in terms of you know being in the beauty industry and even the fact that you guys met on a trip, you know I feel like in the industry you know, we've gotten to or get to go on so many unique experiences. Like what's your dream experience like from a professional work trip? Dream experience. Oh, so algae. 
and seaweed. I feel like algae and seaweed. <laughs> I've done a lot of things. Like I squeezed a salmon to get the egg enzymes out to write the story what? about those. I saw this How on your Yeah, I've been to <laughs> India to like dig up turmeric. I, you know, I've been to Seoul. I've done all these weird things. But I want to go um, scuba diving to see like the kelp and the seaweed in the algae forest because I feel like so many brands are using those ingredients and I think it would make a really cool story. So algaeist, you could send me. Who else could send me? I'm trying to think. And so you've now won. <laughs> and now, yeah. Um, no, I love telling. I love telling the story of travel and ingredients and the, those stories behind beauty products. So, yeah. I would love to go to perfume school. Oh, Fun. that sounds yeah. amazing. We'll too. see you in seven years. Yeah. <laughs> I would just like love to spend like real time with a perfumer. I mean, I know there's a perfume school in New York, but most you know most perfumers. They work, I don't even know if they go to like, they go to school. They go to school like in, in France. Yeah. I was going to say, so, yeah. yeah. So France. I would love to like really spend time. I just like shadow. I don't need to, I don't expect to learn how to do it, but just but like, just feel like a little apprentice. Just chill out and just like, that. just listen. Just, yeah, just And absorb. like walk through fields of yeah. lavender and. Just like soak it in, you know? Like, why did we all like automatically a, think Provence, you know? <laughs> well, it's perfume I mean, capital. Exactly. Fair. Yeah, so I guess we're going to spin the salon chair again. But obviously it's supposed to land. I'm I was like, like, love it. like so let's just get to it. Okay. So um, I think what's so interesting about you guys is you have such a great relationship. You finish each other's sentences, almost like sisters. So, I mean, this is your own true business. You know, as an entrepreneur myself, yeah. and you know, I talk to entrepreneurs all the time, it's really tough. Um, how do you kind of manage your day jobs and also the podcast how do you make it work how do you guys kind of find a way to kind of collaborate together because I'm sure your schedules are insane and what do you advice do you have for other entrepreneurs in this space well go ahead this morning I canceled on our podcast I but, but I was already on the subway yes. underground on the way to record with her and and you you had a migraine yes I'm a migraine sufferer and Jen understands that. But like I've never to be fair, I've never canceled a podcast in my life. Never not shown up or anything. But I also know that, but that Jen if you're picked, gonna cancel, it's yeah. bad. So Jen picked up the slack and she did it by herself. So like it is like we lift each other up and like you I were, d- we I could yeah. never do this. I don't know how people start brands on their own because we are always copied on emails, the both of us, and we sign emails from the both of us. And we always check in with each other. We know what we, each other are thinking, but we're loops in on everything so that if I forgot to reply to an email, which probably the mouth media people noticed, <laughs> Jess was there to reply for me. And I don't know, we wouldn't do it without texting. I yeah. feel like we text a lot. We text a lot. I had to teach. Remember when you used to do every sentence as a different text? I still kind of do wait, that. What? I think wait, what? I love that. Explain. <laughs> like, you, I always know. No, when I, know, I know how to write a text in a paragraph. I just like I stream of consciousness. And like, so when very now, annoying. I'm when sorry. my phone goes like ding 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 ten in a row, Eric's always like, "Oh, it's just texting." <laughs> oh, so she you just fast. write sentences, like one. Yeah, she'll write a sentence at a time. No we, paragraphs. No, I don't like that. No. Oh, okay. And oh, then see, the dots come up, paragraph. and I'm like, "Oh, oh like one paragraph means bad news." And I'm like, "Do I go now?" Ah. It's like, "Do I go now?" Yeah. It's like a whole story. It's oh, like, I don't know. Yeah. There are other people that think, do that. I always wonder about that. Not to get meta, but this goes back into our whole thing about content and like Gen Z and sacral cuts. I write long ass texts. I, I planned that. Too, I don't like a long, long text. text. <laughs> it's a whole, I mean, yeah, it's a I'm whole a long story. Text like something happened. Person. It's Save that for the email <laughs> yeah, is what you're yeah, saying. Yeah. Keep it short and simple. But, yeah. but honestly, that's how we do it. We're in constant communication. Yeah. And, and we both, we work on the same floor and it's like, I respect, like I can see Jen's working. I'm like, it's like, there's kind of a rhythm. I think kind of a natural, mm-hmm. like, 
you know, we just, it's kind Chemistry. of figured it out. Yeah, it's just I figured it out, and she's figured it out, so. Awesome. So on that note, um, Jen and Jessica, do you have any final thoughts, any advice for our listeners, or anything you want to leave us with? You, and your listener is mostly C-level suite. Is that what you said? It's, it's a mix. It's um, C-level, executives in the industry, entrepreneurs, people looking to get into the beauty industry. I would say trust the people you hire to do what they're good at. Because I've worked with some beauty brands lately on branded content type of things, and they say they want you to do you, or they want you to do your brand or do what you do best. But then they still try and manage it with like deliverables, and this is the brand messaging we had. And if you're bringing on an influencer because they speak to their audience the way they know how to speak to their audience, let them do that. They're getting paid. They're not going to screw you. Like if you start putting in, we need eight bullets of like this, 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 this. Like even when we get a sponsorship ad on our podcast, if they tell us eight things we have to say, it never comes out good. If they just let us be us and talk about the product and why we like it, it's so much more authentic. So let the people that you hire do what they do best. That would be my advice. I think that's good advice. I think that's good advice for any industry. Yeah, we we, um, we went to Cosmoprof. That that was one of the key things that people, like the frustration with the influencers, they were saying that the brands that they worked with like the the things that were flops were when the brands were too controlling over them. The things that were successes when like brand was just like, here's the product, make a video. Well, cause everybody sees through that. Yeah. So, um, what's the best way that our listeners can get in touch with you? Um, we know at, how to get in touch with your cat. Yes, I know. <laughs> <laughs> That's really good. That's what I check most now. Um, but you can get in touch with me at Jessica Matlin. That's um, at Jessica, spelled the normal way, Matlin, M-A-T-L-I-N. And then you can find both of us at, at Fat Mascara. And we're good about DMing. I think that's a great way to get in touch with everybody. Yeah. So I'm on Instagram at, at Jen with two N's underscore edit as an editor. Well, thank mm. you so much for thank sharing. You. This yeah, was thank so you, guys. Fun. This so fun. We do a live audience like, for our podcast. We kind of we'll continue <laughs> to do this for another hour over like more thank martinis you. and stuff. Yeah. But it was so fun to have you on the show. Thank you. Um, and I want to thank my co-hosts, um, Abby Wallach. Thanks so much. It was great to be with everybody. And Amber, thank you so much for joining us. Today. Thank you, guys. Thanks so much. And thanks to the audience here at NoTel. Really Woo! enjoyed having you. It wouldn't have been this much fun without you. look forward to seeing you on the next episode of content is your business and beauty is your business um thanks so much this is karen moon um signing off hugs and kisses you've been listening to content is your business to suggest guests or content for this show or to become a sponsor email us at content show at mouthmedianetwork.com Keep up with the show on social media at Content Biz Show. That's Content B-I-Z Show. Episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, along with our website, contentisyourbusiness.com. Produced by Mouth Media Network. No portion of the episode may be distributed or published without the express written permission of the producers. Thanks for listening. This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle.